What is love? More importantly, what is unconditional love? Alexander recently has gained a new perception on this age-old topic that may also shed some light on why it may not be as easy to do in today's reality and the process and amount of work that is involved in reaching that goal. So let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander, uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. All right, today we are going to bring in a new perception on an old concept, and that concept is unconditional love. So Alexander and his sound journeys goes through the chakras playing different instruments that resonate with those certain chakras. And recently he has developed a new way to explain how one can reach unconditional love and it is different than what you think. So let's get right into it, Alexander. Yes, this is a um, an interesting concept that's been around uh, for as long as there's been people to write about it and many teachers from many different cultures and religions that have approached their ways of sharing this uh, concept of experiencing unconditional love on this earthly plane. As Aaron was uh, speaking about the chakras or chakras or energy centers, uh, I want to help demystify that to start with, that these are just energy centers that are connected and um, affect our whole energy field, uh, or some people know it by the term aura. And just to um, cut in here, you normally use nine in your sound journeys, and some people are used to talking about the general seven, but just can you clear it up for us that that there isn't just seven? Yeah, there's actually hundreds, um, uh, lots of understandings of a chakra or an energy center is anywhere where two pathways of energy meet. And so we have uh, we have them in the palms of our hands, in the bottoms of our feet, um, in our like elbows, uh, knee joints, just many different places in the body. But yes, most people are familiar with the seven basic chakras. And then, yes, at my sound journeys and with the human design, both uh, we work with a nine chakra system. And so rather than getting all caught up at there, I mean, there's five chakra systems. It's been uh, six chakra systems. There's many, many, many different chakra systems. And when you pull from ancient texts or um, ancient cultures, uh, these aren't things worth like defending which one's right. It's just an evolution and it's a different um, communication of these energy centers. So I'm not here to say this is the right one or this is the one. It's just another one. So with the nine, basically, from my perception or how I'm presenting this concept, 
is we just add one above the head and one below the feet. The one below the feet keeps us connected to that Mother Earth energy, and the one above the head keeps us connected to that divine energy, God, or whatever anyone wants to call that um, higher energy above themselves. Then the seven main ones are uh, the root is at the base of the spine, and all these run through a column along the middle of the body um, normally. And uh, the root is at the base of the spine, and it has to do with safety and security issues. The, the sacral or the second one has to do with your creativity. The third one, just below the rib cage. The second one happens to be just below the navel in these general areas. The third one is just below the rib cage, and it has to do with willpower and trust. The fourth is the heart chakra, of course, based around love. And then the fifth is the throat chakra where we are challenged to speak our truth. The sixth is between the brows, and this is where our computer bogs down our intuition and um, higher sense perceptions. And then the crown is where we receive the energy. So I really want to take this away from being like a mystical foo-foo or any kind of uh, connected to Buddhism or uh, India or any of these types of religions um, because we are once again reiterating that we we discuss energy on this platform and not uh, religious or spiritual beliefs. So the understanding basically comes from the principle in my philosophy that a physical or mental dis-ease normally stems from a weakness in the energetic field. And that means if you're having pain or discomfort or something not functioning properly in the physical body, then there's an energetic blockage somewhere that more than likely began this problem. Even if it's something like a broken arm that people think happens by accident, there's a weakness created in the field where a person may have a fall uh, very similar and not break their arm or not hurt themselves at all. This happens with athletes a lot. But if you have an energetic blockage and an emotional blockage, then falling on that arm can create a, a break very easily. The aura or the energy field gets disrupted from either over-exaggeration of emotions and constantly riding those high levels of frustration, of anger, and, and throwing that around out there in public and to your loved ones, or the suppression of it. And most of our culture is taught to stuff those emotions. So that's what creates these energetic blockages. And then the emotions are stimulated from failure to communicate in our relationships. So now, with over 10 years of doing this work professionally and studying it for over 20 no matter what issue someone has in their body or anything that they're dealing with, even from a trauma, more than likely it had a emotional beginning. And so-called accidents can be a lot learned from when not seen as accidents, but possibly a message to what area of the body it is and how that's connected to different age ranges of our life. And this is what I help people to decipher in our private sessions. So these energy centers in the area of our bodies are all connected uh, there's also emotions connected to each one, certain movements. And so this coming weekend, I'm having a workshop uh, to go through the different movements of the body for these energy centers, the sound and stillness and contemplation, learning about them. And it just helps in processing your emotions, processing your energy and healing the actual physical body. So in this episode, we are going to talk about your new profound 
concept of unconditional love, but let's just kind of reset it and talk about love as being kind of a loaded concept in our society nowadays. Yeah, and um, I have a saying that is, you may not want to call it love if you're looking for something in return. And other great uh, ones have said it many different ways that if you love something, set it free. There's many different ways to say something similar. But that really stuck with me when when that came to me that, you know, anything that you truly love, you don't uh, put any kind of prisons or expectations about it. And that's what kind of got me going into this um, really wanting to understand that term of unconditional love. And this isn't something that I'm even pretending to have mastered. Um, this is something that intrigues me greatly. And with my um, first wife 10 years ago, uh, we came very close to reaching this level of uh, truly working through the majority of our friction and um, family lineage and all of that type of stuff. And so I know the potential uh, that one can experience with this, but uh, most of the idea of of love, people think anybody that's associated with the chakras feels that that comes from the heart chakra in the middle of the chest, and that's where our physical heart is. But now we're talking about emotional love that does have contingencies, that does have restrictions, and uh, and that is what all of the songs, all of the poetry uh, is stimulated around this, because the unconditional love, the the feeling of love rather than the emotion of love, it can't be expressed. And I don't know how many of you listeners out there have ever been with a loved one on their deathbed. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I've had this experience many times, but to convey to someone that maybe can't speak anymore, to convey to someone that you don't know if you're going to see them the next day, that you love them, believe me, has very little to do with the words that you want to say. And, and more than likely, you will just be sobbing and crying. It's a transference that you work to get across to somebody that you know no matter what word that you choose just will not fulfill that. And so I, I exemplify this often in my classes, and I'll just think about my two sons that live in Hawaii and um, – the feeling that that can evoke. There's no controlling around that. There's no demands. There's no expectations of it. It's just what we've been through and and what I would do for for those two human beings. And that can just make me well up and start to cry right away. And I've had to learn that crying is a strength rather than a weakness because I was taught that as a male in the South, that that's not a sign of toughness. So we all have to work through these um, silly things that our parents taught us lovingly and that our culture taught us and trained us. It's not to judge it and to ridicule it, but just to see a deeper dimension to it. So when we want to, you know, something in return, we may, you know, consider calling that lust or uh, a want or, you know, some kind of greed or something. Um, And that's why... That word love has been very uh, sacred to me the majority of my life, and it just uh, could be disheartening to hear how people throw it around. So with this different concept, I I always had a challenge of how to explain these different – the feeling of love that can't be explained verbally and then this emotional love that so many songs and uh, that people really throw around very easily – 
uh, this term and how to give both the equal honor that they deserve. And so this is the way that I explain it was basically what we're going to cover in this podcast. And it is how the energy flows. And once I kind of discovered this or was shown through meditation, um, understand everything's given to me. I don't, I don't, my Alexander don't create any of this stuff, but um, I listen and I've learned to be a listener. So, you know, trusting that when these energy centers are working optimally, uh, the energy actually comes in the crown and comes through all of these energy centers and into the root and then down the legs, through the feet and into the earth. And the earth actually pulls negative ions uh, out of the body. And so there's a, a pulling motion that the earth is pulling uh, energy down and then our crown is receiving and it just creates like a little circle um, or a cycle that operates in this way. And you can understand anybody that knows anything about plumbing if you ever get a blockage, then there's no water on the other end of the blockage. It's very similar to energetic and thinking of the energy being plumbing, that energy can't move where there's stagnation. So that's why I take my sound journey through the chakras around to play these instruments from all over the world that most people aren't used to hearing and then them feel these effects in their body. That isn't mystical hoodoo voodoo stuff. That is really physics and frequencies reaching energetic blockages and people going, whoa, I felt this tightness or I felt this restriction. You know, what was that? And I've had so many people wake up to subtle energy by just me playing crystal ball and them having this so-called feeling, which is really a reaction. It's not a feeling. It's a reaction. And then them choosing whether to go into discomfort with that reaction or not. The biggest potential part of energetic wellness is learning to accept and release rather than trying to fight or defend. And that doesn't work in the energetic world. So you have to learn to let go. So energy healing is about vulnerability. And that's quite different from physical healing. So... You know, I'm going to break down each of this uh, this pattern of going through these different energy centers. Um, unless you have something, did you have something you would like to bring up first? Yeah, for for all the science minded people at home, I would like to just point out that the energy field that you were kind of talking about, kind of going from the head down through the feet and then kind of circling back up, is called the torus or toroid toroid field. I think I got that right, mm -hmm. and it's found. All throughout nature, yes. including um, some say that the Earth is actually has a giant toroid field going from the, the poles. Yeah, North and South Pole. Yeah, I can see that. And so I just had a few questions uh, with the stuff that you've already talked about that we could uh, tap into before you go into the process. Why do humans associate um, what you were calling uh, emotional love with the heart? I, I would say that when our heart breaks <laughs> when when we have an emotional reaction because somebody doesn't love us back or something along those lines that's where we feel the pain mm -hmm. yeah and i think that you know the the heart um not that our physical heart is the shape of you know the hearts on valentine's day or anything like that but there's always been an association with that um i don't necessarily know where the beginning of that began but it probably was from the physical pain of that's where people feel 
you know, heartache, but it's also where people feel grief, you know, in the lung area. Um, so, so there probably is just an association, but most people haven't taken the time to really separate, um, the difference between emotions and feelings. And we have a previous episode on this that gets into, uh, emotions, feelings, intuition, sensing, all these different things that experiences that people lump together and just call feelings. And when the fact is, you know, I would like to throw the consideration out there that there potentially is only one feeling, and that feeling is love. That love, unconditional love that can't be explained verbally. Everything else that we experience that we call feeling is potentially emotion. And love has, unconditional love has nothing attached to it. It has no demands. And that's why it was very difficult for me to grasp this whole concept of love and unconditional love uh, until seeing it through these energy centers and the way that energy flows. And uh, I'm not saying that, you know, this works absolutely the same for everyone, but it makes sense, very similar to plumbing, like I said. So part of my work is to break this down into a very, you know, easy to understand by by anyone. And that is the association to how blockages work with plumbing. So, you know, when the energy is coming into the crown and it reaches the third eye, and just because the energy comes into the crown, remember that receiving is an action. So there's a certain amount of energy that gets in to everyone for life-sustaining energy. But there's more that can be brought in with intention, with being present, whether people call that meditation or, or stillness or whatever it is. Uh, using your intention affects energy. So when the energy is coming in, if you learn to receive and you truly open that up, then it gets down into the third eye. Well, the third eye is where the computer bogs the energy down. And so... Once again, why mindfulness or stillness is so important to one's overall well-being is that if you can't learn to let the machine rest, it's going to wear out faster. Any mechanical piece of machinery, any uh, physical body, anything on this plane that is run constantly deteriorates uh, the majority of the time. So using that concept that if the mind isn't learned to relax enough, then there's energy is not able to flow through it. If it's busy and distracted, then it's getting caught up. And so I work with a lot of people with, um, with headaches and unexplained pressures in their head. And lots of times this can be the case is that they don't have a, a wide enough space for the energy that's coming in their crown to actually make it through that third eye and get to these deeper levels. So so we're at the third eye, we're at the computer, say that it does get past that. Then it gets to the throat chakra. And at the throat chakra, this is where lots of people are stifled from uh, being ridiculed for their voice or being judged as a kid, uh, being quieted harshly by a parent over and over and over and understand that most of the chakra issues with people, the throat chakra issues with people, has been dictated through their environment. 
And when a child is told that they can't sing or when a child is told that they sound poorly and the parent may even be joking, but children can't decipher sarcasm lots of times. So what the parent takes as a joke, the child takes as real, and then they can never get that out of their head. Our women in our culture have constantly been judged and ridiculed and their voice squashed. So this is part of healing the feminine energy and the feminine side of both males and females. So being artistic and expressing yourself is all connected to this throat chakra as well. So so one has to be very... Um, very cleansed in that area and not feel stifled throughout their life or anything presently for for that to be functioning and flowing properly. Then it drops down. If it gets past that, then it would get into the emotional love. And here's where you, as we're going down, understand I'm talking about a process of um, working on yourself and healing because everyone has issues in every one of these steps that I come to. And this is a constant uh idea of healing or wellness that I like to just suggest to make your lifestyle rather than looking at fixing uh, issues in your life. So at that getting past the throat chakra into that heart energy, then you have to go through forgiveness for anybody that's like broken your heart that has done you wrong. And once again, all the great teachers from religion, spiritual paths have, you know, talked about this type of love and forgiveness and, and letting go of the past and all of that is easy to talk about, but it is challenging to do. But it's necessary to for one to stay open in their heart center. But say that you've worked on some of that and you get the energy clear there. Then you get down to third chakra. And this is trust and willpower. So anybody that's been betrayed and still holding on to any of that, uh, whether they blame somebody or they feel like a victim, then that uh, third chakra is all blocked up, which is affecting the gallbladder and digestive issues and things like this. Um, so these are some of the physical things that are connected with it. But say that you do some working, you get that all cleared up. Then it gets down to that second chakra. And here, this is where your little boy and little girl reside. These are where lots of the damages before seven years old happens. Any sexual damage is, is held here. And this is the creative center. So all the great teachers from all these walks of life that's just said, be more childlike. They're really saying exercise your second chakra. Um, get out hula hoop. Do some movement around that, that belly uh, because this is what kids do. They just jump around and act silly and they're, they're childlike. They're not worried about the judgment. And then we as adults, we take on so much of that judgment. And it just I hear people, I cringe every time I hear someone say that they're not creative. That's just a false statement for any person walking the planet because the definition of creativity is merely, from my perspective, that that is non-repetitious. So if you drive home a different way from work one day a week, that's being creative. You'll have a different experience. If you sit in a different chair at home at night to watch TV, you change your position, you change your perspective. So work with some of this making your life creative. So then you get into making your life creative. That doesn't mean you have to quit your job or change your relationship. Just change how you do everything in those moments. Then you get down to that root. Now here's where we start talking about that unconditional love. Because that frequency of unconditional love has been measured in hertz at 528 hertz. That's a C sharp, not an F. 
So when I realized that the root has to do with safety, security, financial comfort, when people come to me in my private practice and they have lower back pain and they've been to all kinds of doctors, this happens very frequently, the very first thing I say is, why are you worried about money? Because the fact in our culture is that it doesn't matter how many zeros you have in your bank account, almost everyone in our culture worries about money. So, that lower back stuff is, is a big issue. It runs rampant in our culture, and so many people are on pharmaceuticals you know, that happen to not be helping because it's an emotional pain. And emotional and energetic pain feels very, very physical. So, by sitting with that for a long time, I realized that in order for one to be in unconditional love, they have to be free from all threat, from all worry, all concern. So you feel completely safe and secure, and you're not carrying any financial issues. Because when you're not threatened, you're not intimidated. And when you're not intimidated, you don't have any reason to be tense. And you're not in fear. You're not in fear. You're receptive. You're vulnerable, even. But not vulnerable in a weakness, but vulnerable that there's nothing here that I need to protect. You know, in the big book... You know, it was said, the sparrows need not worry where their next meal comes from. Everything will be provided. And we were instructed through that faith, and I'll talk about many different faiths, to trust. You know, but that's a third chakra issue. So, you know, I've recently gone through some very deep lessons about trust, and it's made me a better person through a lot of pain and discomfort. But we need to develop trust with our life, develop trust with that higher power, even when we're not getting our way, so to say, to understand that this life isn't about us getting our way all the time. Where where was that ever? I mean, that concept came out a few years, well, now a decade or two ago, that got people excited about manifestation and whatever you think you can create and blah, 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 blah. There's a whole lot more to it than that. And it it created a lot of frustration in a lot of people, but some people sold a lot of books because that sounds great, just like pharmaceuticals appeal fixing something in your body sounds great, but Western medicine still hasn't cured anything. They haven't fixed anything. But that's not me talking negative about Western medicine. It has its place, and they're great mechanics, and the medicine was created to be for acute symptoms not something for the long haul. So we have to take our own healing within our own parameters and not judge the system as failing us. Uh, And this is where this emotional healing and um, energetic wellness, you know, comes into play. So I used to have lower back pain, as you're mentioning that a lot. And I think uh, most of that was before I met you. And learning about my three and seven of diamonds and the destiny cards and, and my relationship or struggle with money and around that and how to deal with that after you explaining how to deal with that I've had several uh, experiences with going into fear over where my next work or money is going to come from from being a freelancer and I recently had another one which which I filled you in um, these past couple weeks where I took time off to work on Verities and knew that I had savings to back it up. But 
as it got closer and closer to those savings, and I and then I had another issue, financial issue, which was going to draw some more funds out. I went into fear, even though knowing that two or three other times when I trusted, you know, what I needed was provided for. Right, right. So, and, and I knew that I I knew that I had to get back to that trust, mm-hmm. even though there still is some doubt. Because, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Fear comes in and you have doubt because you're like, there's no guarantee. and But there's no guarantee in anything in life. Right. And that's something we need to accept. Yeah, if you do everything perfect, there's still, you know, there's there are no guarantees. And that's very something to to realize and to, um, to really make a point of. Because, you know, I've seen people plan their whole life for retirement and then die before they get to retire. And I've seen some people, you know, say they're going to live in the now and then grow old and not have anything. Um, So everything has a cost and it has a reward. So we have to be true to ourselves. So this trust thing is trusting what makes us feel in alignment rather than trusting what is right for security. And that's a that's a big difference because we've been taught security by our whole environment but never to trust ourselves or to trust our connection to life. And this is what ancient cultures, whether it was Native American or many different cultures, that was very important to, to connect to life, to connect to Mother Earth. It wasn't about, uh, you know, all of this religion type stuff. It was about really being connected in the energy of things. And when they would, you know, kill something, they honored every part of it. And it was a sacrifice, and and they honored that. So I don't feel like, you know, the meat eaters were affected the way that they are now in the present day with all of the hormones and the way that animals get treated. There's energy transference in that food, and then we're eating it, and it's affecting us. And it was so much honor back then that, you know, that fed them energetically, and it affected them differently. And probably because they had no guarantee that they were going to catch another one. Right. So. <laughs> yes, yes. And so to show that gratitude. So taking this work or any philosophy from conceptual to experiential is the challenge where most students fail at and stop because it can seem like it's not working. And when that's why I like to present, be willing to fail at least 100 times before you feel like you're really better at anything. When I used to teach guitar to students, a new student would come in and I would say, do you feel like that you can uh, play and practice for a year without feeling like you're going to get any better? And how they responded to that typically let me know how long they were going to be a student of mine. And if they said, oh, no, no, I want to learn this song today and I want to be able to play it you know, for my friends this weekend, and you're just starting out, there's going to be a lot of disappointment with that. But if the people go, yeah, well, I'm kind of a slow learner anyway, so I, I can be realistic about that. Then in a year, they're going to look back and they're going to be blown away about how much better they are. But anybody that's looking to get better every single time and they're putting that pressure on themselves and expectations, it becomes too much. And so somebody gives up. So I've seen that happen many times in so-called spiritual communities that someone will get inspiration to change something in their life. And they feel like that if they just take the step, and some of these old teachings uh, in the last couple of decades are some of the cause of this, but people to make drastic moves trusting that the universe will provide for them. And I approach that a little bit different way. You have to be realistic. Uh, You know, my father, 
gave me a get out of jail free one time, no questions asked. I never used that because I knew that if I ever used that and I went back again, he would not come and get me. So just because we have it to utilize doesn't always mean that we should utilize it. So so trust is a very tricky concept anyway, and that's probably a whole other podcast that we'll get into. But through certain people that were close to me, um, you can't be let down without expectations. So I was still I had worked on the whole world with that subject and done well, except for my inner core or my tribe. And in order to get the full spectrum of that, my whole inner tribe had to disappoint me in one way or another to teach me that final lesson. And this was three to five years ago. Uh, And so now that's what helped me to view trust as I trust my life and I trust my connection to that divine energy. And I trust people as long as that I can see them and we're in conversation because people will say something in agreement or, or make an agreement in that present and mean it with every fiber of their body and then go around the corner, meet a friend for lunch, discuss the agreement they just made and have their mind completely changed by that friend. Some of this has to do with the human design and whether they have the mind activated or not. We can show this energetically. But the main point is is that we're constantly being influenced as human beings by the planets, by other people's energy, by cell phones, by all the EMFs. We're constantly being bombarded. And when you don't feel rested or well-fed, you're irritable. So you're not processing things and properly, and that's where most of our culture is. They're malnourished and uh, sleep-deprived. So everybody's in reaction. So to continue this level of work... You have to be interested in changing all these different avenues because they're all affecting you. And so in order to truly be in that trust, you are clear in all these energy centers or working on it. As things come up from time to time in life, you're able to catch it because you're always looking to not react. And then you go, oh, yeah, you're trying to bring me into this. I haven't uh, been down this path now in about six or eight months. So thank you for the check-in. See, we don't ever permanently get away from anything necessarily. Life has a funny way that even when we get the lessons and we see it conceptually and we go through all these practices and we get to a point to where that situation or that person doesn't bother us or affect us emotionally anymore, life still carries comedy. And like a year or so down the road, it might just throw a situation and say, surprise are you prepared to handle this or will you go back to your old um, way of handling it and so that's why to be in the present moment is ideal because in the present you're not worrying about the past or you're not carrying anxiety about the future so you can be prepared for any of those surprises life throws at you so would you call if you're clear all the way down through the chakras and you're and you get down to your your root and you clear all that out would you call that what um what people call enlightenment Hmm. well that is a tricky term that normally i choose to kind of dance around because that is defined by like almost all words by one's own perception and experiences um i think i would say that when a person is able to experience that state that that could be labeled as a state of enlightenment but once again 
that's not a state that's reached and then just maintained for the rest of your life. It's uh, you may have moments of enlightenment, um, but you know it truly takes a master to maintain and hold that as a permanent vibration. And so that's why I choose to use the language to stay away from words such as enlightenment, um, even you know sometimes consciousness or anything like that. And I I choose to to utilize phrases like learn to hold your vibration. And if that's a love vibration, if it's compassion, then no matter what's coming at you, you understand that no one, you know, once again, can make you mad, can make you sad. Uh, And we've had this question on previous um, episodes, but truly we have to give our give in to that. Now, when people have been through traumas, part of the emotional healing is recognizing and, and, and accepting that. It is affecting you this way, but you don't identify with that. You recognize it, you respect it, and you redirect it. And this is in the three R's of previous episodes that I've talked about. So anything in life, whether it's around consciousness or children or social situations or whatever it is, can fall under these three R's. And we always want to recognize a person or a situation, respect the person or the situation, and then redirect the person, the situation, or the energy. And any three of those can can fit in any of those. So it's not about when we get inspired and the action that we take right away. It's really about the action that we can create and maintain over a long period of time. And so with anybody that really wants to make an acting change in our culture, in our world today, I say be able to hold that vibration for at least seven years. You know, our whole president thing is two four-year terms back-to-back is the maximum. And that happens a lot, that even when it seems like the president isn't doing what they say, they get, like, reelected. You know, and, we can, of course, we can go down many avenues with all that. But the important thing is to understand that the seven years is a whole life cycle and that every cell regenerates every seven years. So to consider that best case scenario of healing a trauma would be seven years of working on it every day. And that's what I did with when my wife died. I literally worked on it every day and almost to the day of seven years, it was released all the negativity or pain. And it was just now remembrances of the good and what we accomplished. And I consider that a type of healing, Um, but that's never going away. It's just that I've learned to manage it in a way that is more harmonious with uh, the lifestyle that I want to live now, which is a more uplifting and realistic uh, lifestyle while accepting the darkness. Stand in the light, but know that the darkness is just behind the door and welcome it in from time to time. Go step into that darkness. So we can't run from our shadow side, some people say. And um, I sometimes term it as lean into the friction, welcome that negative emotion in, old jealousy, there you are, come on in, my friend, as Rumi says. So this whole podcast is really about what vibration you're holding. And all of these nine energy centers that we discussed, and the one above the head, of course, is like, you know, how we view that connection to that higher energy, whatever you want to call it, and how healthy that is. And sometimes when we go through different traumas or different situations, we have to accept that we get angry at that energy. I've been there. So that is part of the process of the healing and releasing of it. 
And then, of course, the the one below the feet, keeping us connected to Mother Earth, and that's where we can do our part to pick up litter, to to recycle, to you know not use things that contaminate the Earth, and that's a way of us showing that respect and redirecting the energy. So, learn to hold your vibration, people. I'm trying to get the people of the so-called light, or people that are trying to be useful and of service to learn to stand in the friction. You know, the beauty of trees is they teach us to be firm yet flexible, but they don't run inside when the storm comes. They show their strength. And with lots of sensitive people, with lots of way showers, with light beings that some people call them, with indigo children, with all these different labels, the point isn't to necessarily cater to all of their sensitivities, but to help them understand the challenges to where they can stand in a storm, a rainstorm, but just put a rain jacket on. To stand in that friction and not be scared. Because the anger doesn't go anyway. The anger people, they don't run. They feed on the negativity. And what I've seen exemplified is lots of the people that are trying to do good in the world They get their feelings hurt really easily, which is really their emotions. And once they get in their emotions, see, they give their power away. So the key is to learn to be neutral, to process your emotions, but not need to force anything. Force has not been proven to um, heal much of anything. So we want to be considerate, once again, the three R's to recognize, respect, and redirect rather than trying to fix or change. You got a little uh a little conspiratorial there for a second uh, with the uh with the the eight the the two four year cycles of the president. Um that was an interesting perspective that I'm gonna take with me. Yeah, it's because, good to ponder. Because if the seven year cycle is is a sure thing, which science says it is with the cellular uh, development, that would make sense if they wanted to steer society in a certain direction have a certain power or archetype of power uh to do that and and i mean I, of course this isn't a conspiratorial podcast mm-hmm. but that is some of the stuff that i like to think about and uh now just transitioning into that i see people around me i'm not calling anybody specifically out but i see the type of person who thinks that they can get to quote enlightenment from their mind and I would say that I used to think that when I first got into the spiritual community, a lot of the conceptual stuff is all in the mind. So you never really, you know, nobody really ever discusses, you know, emotions and working on that. It's all conceptual. It's all in the head and right. in the and, mind. And with that, you know, I want to interject here that here's the what, just a view of that, Um and you hear me use just because uh, that's uh, a branding type thing. Because journeys unite seeking transformation. That's what draws us together. So with this idea or vision of the chakra system, here's the way that I see this optimally working. I could be wrong. But through martial arts, it has been proven and through many different um, fighting styles, we'll, say, we'll use that term loosely, uh, the whole idea is not to to learn this self-defense stuff to never have to use it. That when you actually become a black belt, you become a deadly weapon. And uh, some, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that has to be registered. But then that brings a whole other responsibility that 
you know, when you get in any kind of altercation, that can be brought up against you. So yeah, part, and you're not just going to like whip somebody anytime right. you get in an altercation. Right. <laughs> so the whole point is to learn to have access to this power, but do your absolute best to never, ever utilize it. And if you're going to utilize it, to utilize it in a non-aggressive way, not a forceful way, but to redirect the energy. So if somebody's punching you, you don't punch it them back. You just redirect their energy. So if someone is working on this process that my whole work is based around, working on clearing up all of the past traumas and past issues baggage that are keeping these individual energy centers blocked from the energy from flowing properly, that it's known in martial arts that your power is in your core, not your mind, not your arms, not anywhere but your core. And that's why Bruce Lee, being the 120-pound or so person he was, was one of the most you know, uh, still well-known fighters there's ever been. But it's because he understood the core. So if a person is able to be still, completely present in the moment, that's a root chakra thing. You're, you're not threatened. You're not in need of anything. And then that person that is that centered and present is able to go, you know what? I want some information from my higher vibration. So I'm going to shoot up these chakras that's not blocked, and I'm going to go into my third eye and my crown, and I'm going to expand out. And then I'm going to call this meditation. I'm going to call it whatever you want to call it. And then I'm going to have this epiphany, or I'm going to receive some information, just like going to talk to a parent or or a someone that you look up to uh, in any subject on the, the so-called earthly plane. But you go up and get that information. And then if you have the ability to come back down, go through all of those energy centers, come back into the root, and now apply this information from a grounded perspective, because that's where we're at. We're on earth, people. We are on the earth. That's where we're here to do the work. We have the ability to expand into these other realms and get information, but we're still here on the earth to do our work from, from this perspective. So, most people just focus on trying to enter that from the the higher the head centers and don't practice grounding or uh, truly being present or or uh, take the challenge of any financial concerns being an opportunity to practice that root chakra not really about fear of losing money that's what I have seen a lack of is this balance or the equilibrium in somebody that is able to go get that information. And Rumi has a wonderful poem that uh, Jalaluddin Rumi that says someone can be highly intuitional and able to see the future and carry no wisdom. And then there's plenty of people here that are very grounded, uh, very present, but they don't have the expansion. They're not able to see things from a wide enough view. So these examples are all around, and in, in, in especially this area, you, we have huge dualities of that. Just the modern, everyday Joe, whether it's the farmer, blue-collar worker, and then these so-called spiritual people that are you know, meditating all the time, uh, doing everything with their higher self and all that, and there's no judgment with all that. But I see very little integration of both. And so... When I hear the word consciousness or enlightenment, that's the vision that I see is the full 360. 
that that shaman or that enlightened being or whatever it is, they can uh, go to the stars, so to say, at any point in time. They don't need the perfect surroundings, and they can come down and be fully in the physical body and handling any situation at hand that needs to be handled. But that's a lot of clearing the highway. So rather than looking at it as a goal, I just suggest to people make this your lifestyle. Make this what you work toward. But there's never an end. You just keep getting better over time of how to go up and get information and then how to come down and know what to do with the information. See, we're in the information age. You can get an answer to any question that you have just about in this whole world. But the problem is, is knowing what to do with the answers. And that's why we have so much anger and so many issues in our culture is everybody thinks they got the answers. But the secret to the answers and to Google or Siri is that any answer that you find, you will find an opposing answer on just about any subject. So that shows me that everything, once again, is in polarity basically being viewed as duality. But we have to be able to process what we learn. And that's why we have a lot of teachers that talk about things, but they don't exemplify it. And normally they can't hold that energy very long. So that's why, you know, we're in sharing this, this uh, information on this podcast, both Aaron and myself are being very open, very vulnerable, sharing our successes, sharing our failures, because we want everybody to understand this is a process. This isn't a belief system. This is exercise. It's discipline. It's being willing to let go of a goal and just know that the fact is anything a human being does in repetition, they will get better at. So every time I have a thought that comes in and I simply say, thank you, but now is not the time. I might have to tell that thought that a hundred times, but with a child or with a thought, if you tell that that a hundred times with compassion, with love, without any negative emotional reaction, they will get that. That's the way energy is transferred. That's the way true knowledge is transferred. It's not really through the words. It's through energy transference. And we have to get out of our emotions and get out of the words to be able to receive that level of energy transference. So that's why I say grounding is just as important as expanding. And now in our culture, I have to say that's even more imperative because lots of people have learned to open up. Yoga and different practices, meditation are more and more popular, but very few people are practicing grounding simultaneously. So that's the perspective that I'm coming from is to see this as a whole. And once again, you're working at clearing out the whole energy highway rather than just focusing on one part of it. Yeah, it makes sense. And because I think I live my life, especially from from being a uh, coder and being into like uh, seeking knowledge and things like that. I live my life mostly in my head and I find that Sometimes I can't digest the information until I physically take my shoes off and walk through the grass. And just even if it's just five minutes sitting out there, it just it like allows me to break down the information. So, yes, any like little thing we can use for reminders like that is very helpful. One thing that I utilize is bringing my hands up in front of my heart area it reminds me to soften, reminds me to be receptive. And I do that lots of times when... People ask me questions. 
And I want to make sure that while I am giving an answer, at the same time, I'm exemplifying and teaching how to listen, how to be receptive even while giving. So we can all take this to, you know, the different levels that we want to. But the whole point is, is to make our energetic highway more open. What clogs that up is our emotional baggage of our past. What keeps that clogged is most time wanting some kind of reciprocation or some kind of recognition or some kind of apologies when that's just a really a waste of energy acceptance helps to move this energy forward and once again acceptance is not the same as condoning so those are two very very different aspects Uh, but from my perception once again acceptance is the very first step of true management um, above healing we have to accept the situation That A, it really happened or it's really happening. And most people skip the step to trying to change the situation and never fully going through the acceptance stage. So demystifying this idea of this energy as hoodoo voodoo stuff, it has been recognized by Western medicine um, and it's getting more and more prevalent in our uh, culture talking about And what I'm hoping to bring to light is how our emotions is so connected to this energetic field and basically the director of the energetic field and your resonance that you're able to hold on to or vibration that you're able to hold on to over a long period of time is directly connected and directed by those emotions and your willingness to engage in them. So life is going to present us opportunities to practice, to change our reaction And when we do, I've proven hundreds of times that that action stops coming your way until it comes as a reminder down the road. So you never truly want to think that you're over something, just that you've managed it and you've got it to a good point of management and then prepare that somewhere down the road there's going to be like a little surprise and be like, okay, I'm prepared for that. No big deal. I'm not going to go back to my old ways of reacting. So in, in recap of this episode, Alexander, we like to always go back and, and talk about how to practice all the topics that we've been talking about in this episode. So it kind of seems like to clean or, or, or clear out all of your chakras going from the head all the way down to the root, it's basically just practicing all of the work that we've been talking about through yeah. the first 15 episodes. And that's, that's exactly um, what all of this comes into alignment to. And understand that, you know, lots of people talk about um, the energy rising up from the root. And I've had Kundalini yoga practitioners question me about this. And I'm not challenging any other systems in the way that they choose to approach uh, the chakras or the chakras I'm coming from a sound therapist perspective and energy typically, you know, doesn't just flow one way. Um, There are highways going north, south, east, west. Um, So with that understanding that that does seem that many, many people are in the agreement that the energy comes through our crown and is pulled out of our feet and circles in that way. See, my concept and I have a very limited amount of knowledge to anything like Kundalini Yoga or uh, specifically or any practice that raises that so-called energy or kundalini, that's a completely different practice than what I'm talking about. And I'd like to point out that more than likely, those people were very, very grounded, and they were learning to bring that energy up and expand out. 
that I see a lot of people still in our present day that practice these types of techniques, but they don't have a sense of what truly grounded is. They're still conceptual and they, they may be experiencing some movement through uh, their body or those energy centers, but they're not able to hold the consistent uh, grounded energy. Um, so once again, uh, I'm not here to, to judge any other ways or to say this is better. This is just a different explanation and how uh, the energy seems to move through nature and, and experienced by uh, many, many people. So um, breaking that and bringing that into conscious communication, our relationships and how these chakras are connected to emotions and uh, even parts of the body. Once again, it's all connected. And if we have a weakness somewhere, we're going to attract somebody in to challenge that weakness. So once again, we're back to just or journeys unite seeking transformation. So, you know, we want to be able to process is the key word to remember. So if you're in a situation and somebody says something that makes you start to react in defense, once again, we don't want to take that out on them. We want to learn to not react while recognizing and respecting that acknowledgement or that emotional reaction. It's very important to be okay with, whoa, that just made me a little angry. But you know what? This isn't about Jim here in front of me. That just reminded me of my brother when I was 14 years old. So being able to, secondly, first not react. Secondly, take the power away from the situation at hand. And if you can, make a connection to the past. Realize that there's healing that still needs to be done with that. And that's really more of a use than focusing on just negating or managing the situation at hand. Because there's going to be another situation in the present moment to bring that up, that past stuff up. So by not reacting, you are able to more likely communicate uh, somewhat consciously get out of that situation, say, what did that remind me of? Oh, that reminded me of my brother. Okay, obviously I'm still holding on to some blame, to some uh, needing some recognition. That was 30 years ago. I've had, you know, four seven-year cycles, literally four lifetimes since then. So come on, Alexander, are you really still going to be upset over this person uh, judged or ridiculed you? You know that it's not true. So it's just reminding you of this. So that is kind of like the process that you want to use the mind to use it as a tool. But we want to work on our other extra sense perceptions to learn to help us in our management of that mind. So the thinking is very useful. The logical is very useful, but only in the detective work, not the reaction and not the justification of the reaction. So. You have an experience, you slightly react, you catch it, you don't verbalize or react outwardly, you moderate the situation as best you can, get out of that situation, make a connection of what it was to your past while considering going for a walk or a drive and expressing exactly how that made you angry. If it made you angry, then say it, get it out. You're emptying that vibration because remember, when you think something, you create, you start the creation or manifesting of energy. So if you create it through your thought process, you need to get it out, just not on the other person. So go for a walk and speak it to the wind, the sky, the trees, speak it to Mother Earth, get it out. We typically feel better by getting it out. We just don't need to get it out on somebody. Then come back and be willing to send some forgiveness or love to that brother or whoever that 
situation reminded you of. Possibly do something if you can physically do something to release them or release them of any of that blame. So there are physical actions that you can do. So, so this is a process and something that needs to be practiced many, many times. And life is going to present many different people to play these roles until we learn to want to get the lesson. And somebody will stay frustrated. There will always be somebody or a situation to frustrate them as long as someone's willing to be frustrated. But as long as they're willing to go through those situations and go, you know what, today I'm not going to let this frustrate me. I'm going to fail sometimes. But I'm going to do this for a hundred times. And after that hundred times, it will not frustrate somebody the way that it did before those hundred practices. So you're looking at growing a little bit more every day. You're uh, allowing yourself to fail while understanding failure is only an opportunity to grow. And then you practice. Then things do get easier. But different levels come up. We have to work at deeper levels. So once again, the work never stops. It's not a destination. It's an agreement with oneself to be a better person, to be more authentically themselves. So whether it's through our tools of the human design, the cards, whatever it is, an intuitional uh, session, we can help reveal how energetically and personality we were designed in the whole concept of this life experience. And then to work within the parameters of those and expand beyond them once you understand the mechanism optimally is the kind of general concept. So I hope that we have, you know, at least generated some good questions in this podcast. Uh, Please don't hesitate because we do want to bring clarity. So if there are any questions, shoot us an email or uh, join our Facebook group. And um, I've really enjoyed this uh, this topic And uh, the idea of unconditional love is a beautiful concept and even a more beautiful practice. And we do have some examples in this world. And I happen to feel that, you know, the Dalai Lama is is one of those examples. We've had many through through history. But I do like to point out that not necessarily being a follower of the Dalai Lama, but major respect and appreciation and love uh, for that man and and what is exemplified, having everything in his life taken away from him and still only teaching love and compassion is something that many people could learn from in our culture. Uh, so uh, keep growing, people, shining your light. And Alexander, thank you for giving the the Facebook group a shout-out. That's also what I wanted to close with. So anybody out there who who is not in the Facebook group yet, we are trying to build a community of like-minded and like uh, loving people who want to be part of a community where we don't judge each other and we help each other through this, through journeying. with Process. This, yeah, through this work. So uh, you can get that if you go to Facebook. I guess the easiest way is to just type in Wise Wise Community Podcast and it should be the only group named that. So we look forward to seeing you there. All right. See you beautiful people. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results.
The information in this podcast has been developed over 20 years by Alexander in his observation of his personal life, private practice, and professional environments. This information is meant for educational purposes only and is not suggested as a replacement for traditional therapies or medications. As a matter of fact, we suggest to not believe any of this information, nor any of the information out there in the world. Remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. We are looking forward to continuing to provide this information through this platform, and if you are drawn to support us, you can do so by the following. Sharing is caring. Share the podcast with like-minded individuals. Emotional responsibility and energetic wisdom can save the world. If you are drawn to support us monetarily, you can do so by visiting our patron page, where you can make a monthly donation in exchange for exclusive Wise Wise perks. You can do this by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Next, you can head over to Alexander's website where you can book private consultations in person, by phone, or on Skype, find out more information on his live performances, class schedules, products, including birth chart analysis reports and music, and check out more information on his sound therapy tables. To do so, you can visit vibrotune.com, V-I-B-R-O, T-U-N-E dot com. Finally, if you have been searching your entire life for consciously created apparel featuring the Wise Wise logo apparel, Alexander themed clothing, or other alternative perspective designs, you can head over to Verity's Apparel, where you can find all that and more. That is veritiesapparel.com. V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L dot com. We want to thank you for being part of this journey.